let's uh, continue in our study this morning. We've been looking at uh, the foundations. We've been looking at being established in teaching. Uh, that we will uh, be established in these last days and be built up on that sure foundation. That's been the focus, right? will be unshakable. If you can turn with me to Proverbs 22. 22. And verse 3. And 27 and 12. You can look at it in different translations. It says, uh, A prudent man, a prudent man foresees evil. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. A prudent man foresees evil and hides hides himself. Okay. <laughs> evil days are coming. Okay. And the day of evil, the that day is coming, and we have to have that spiritual vision which will be able to uh, give us those uh Directions. I mean, the the the, the uh, that will give that will give us that uh, that vision and that direction, so that we know uh, when that day the, the, the evil day comes, we will stand and we will be hidden. Twenty seven twelve of Proverbs again. Proverbs chapter twenty seven verse twelve. Same thing. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. So, in the mouth of two witnesses, everything gets established. This particular verse is mentioned twice in the book of Proverbs. So, day of evil is coming. Foresee it. So, do you have the spiritual foresight to foresee the day of evil and are you hiding yourself? And of course, he's not talking about having a bank account which will take care of your needs. No, your bank account will not be sufficient for you in the days of evil and uh, Lot learned, did not learn that parable even in the hard, even the hard way. There was, he was prospering in Sodom. Five kings came, took all his property and, and his wife and children and everything went away and he went away. All was destroyed in one day. He didn't learn his lesson. He came back and went back to his own way. Build a house. Now he is not only in Sodom, he is at the gates of Sodom. He becomes an elder in Sodom. And after a while you know that God judges Sodom and Gomorrah and everything. That's the reason why it says, riches do not profit in the day of trouble. Riches do not profit. Proverbs chapter 10. If you can t- please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 10. <clears throat> okay. It says, uh, Um, so, sorry, I, 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 I forget that verse. It says, um, riches do not profit in the day of trouble. If it actually, verse 2 also. Verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 10. Okay, so 11.4. Proverbs 11.4, yes. Proverbs 11.4, it says, yes, riches do not profit in the day of trouble or day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from Death. The day of trouble is coming and uh, Peter says the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of the Lord and 
uncertain days. Actually, the pandemic is not uh, reducing. It's only increasing. And uh, I'm hearing some unbelievable stories. Unbelievable stories of how children are abandoning, abandoning their own parents. Husband abandoning the, the wife because she's been struck with COVID. Leaves in the hospital, leaves her in the hospital in India, in Hyderabad. Leaves her in the hospital and runs for his life. Doesn't want to be anywhere near. So all the earthly relationships that you trusted in, did it profit in the day of trouble? So what are those relationships which will last? Who are those people who will stand by you in the day of trouble? Who will not forsake you in the day of wrath? Be very sure. Okay. So riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And therefore this morning, even as we continue to meditate on God's word, we want to be sure we are, we are hidden in God. Okay. So we've been looking at patterns to establish a dwelling place for God to dwell with us, as to how to dwell, uh, how to um, prepare a dwelling place for the Holy One of Israel, the Holy God, so that He can be dwelling in our midst and He can guide us in these last days. Therefore, John's, chapter, John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 23, we looked at that once again. We'll just look at it once more. 14.23, in, uh, if you can please uh, put it in the NIV. It says, um, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay. If you have Jesus, you have everything. It says, uh, Paul tells uh, in, in Timothy, he says, in my first defense, everyone forsook me, but the Lord stood by me. He didn't forsake me. You know why? Because I made sure that I, my life, my life and my heart, my home, my body will be the temple of the, of the Holy God and I guarded it with all my heart and I ensured that he, he, he tells, right, I've endeavored to keep a conscience clear with God and with man. He ensured that he always had a right relationship with God and he was never forsaken in the day of trouble. Okay, so how do we develop or how do we build this house according to pattern? Okay, according to pattern. And uh, and when we build this house, we build according to pattern and we concentrate on the teaching and we just not, not only concentrate on the teaching, we seek the teacher. We looked at that last time. Um, two people who called uh, Jesus Raboni. Okay, that was one was blind Bartimaeus, and the other was Mary Magdalene, who sits at Jesus Jesus's feet and learns and is not distracted. We looked at that in Luke's Gospel, chapter ten. Can you please there, turn there with me for to Luke's Gospel, chapter ten, verses thirty-eight to forty-two, five five verses. <clears throat> Just do a small review, and then we'll go to today's study. Now it happened as they went that that he entered a certain village, and certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And then Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. 
and Mary has chosen that one part, that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So what distracted Martha? Three things we looked at. She was afflicted with much serving. And then she was anxious about worried or anxious, anxiety about many things. That's the reason why Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything, but with in all things with prayer and supplications, let your request be made known to God. And we, we looked at what is that one thing that will that will fight anxiety in our lives, knowing our God as our Father, right? We looked at that from Matthew chapter 6. And then third thing, we looked at she was troubled. There was a war that was waging. There was a tumult which was going on. And we looked at from James chapter 4 as to what those tumults are. And how we get rid of all these attitudes so that we can concentrate on um, that one thing that God has for us. And that is to sit at his feet and to learn from him. It is to seek his ways. That is how we seek him. Okay, we want to seek him. How do we seek him? We By seeking his ways and when we seek his ways, he comes and makes his dwelling among us. Therefore, one prayer that we all need to have in our hearts. You know what that prayer is? 8911. 8911. What is that? Is it 8911 or 8611? 8611. Sorry, 8911, 8611. Teach me your way. What is that? What was Martha doing? She was sitting at Jesus' feet and learning and hearing his word. So what she, what is she doing? She's saying, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth, not my truth. We looked at today's uh, daily reading that pastor sent, right? Everybody has his own truth. Finally, all all truths lead to God. Who said? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Okay? So there is that, that truth has to be learned. Why? Because that, that is a word, that is a truth that we have to be established in. And that that is the truth that which makes God comfortable in our lives. Okay, that dwelling place for God and we'll be hidden on the day of evil. It's a truth that will save us. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. And therefore, he says, unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart. My heart is divided into several hundred pieces. Okay, make it one. That is one of the reasons why the Spirit of the Lord is is, is upon me. He has set me, sent me to bind up the what? The broken hearted. That's exactly what happened to the guy on the, uh, on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus came and bound up his wounds, it says. And that particular word wound comes from the Hebrew, a Greek word trauma. He was traumatized. His life was divided, was broken into a shattered into different, different pieces. And what God, what did God do? He came and he bound up the broken hearted. He's binding us up all. He's uniting us. He's making us whole. He's making our double-minded into single-mindedness. Okay. That's the reason why he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let us not have two minds. Unite my heart that our focus and our vision will be God and God alone. Question we need only to ask. In the morning we get up and what is our focus? Who is our focus? What is the object of our focus? Unite my heart and to do what? To fear your name. Your name. 
your name. I have to fear your name. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 33 verse 5. Unite my heart to fear your name. What is his name? Exodus chapter 34 verse 5. 34 verse 5. Exodus chapter 34 verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. What is the, what is the name of the Lord? It says the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the, the name of the Lord. The Lord God, the Lord merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. Okay, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is the name of the Lord. The severity of God and the goodness of God. Okay, the God is both. The severity of God and the goodness of God. And he's saying, unite my heart so that I will understand you completely. How many characteristics do you think? It's there in that particular verse, in these two verses. Seven, for sure. Four plus three, you can see it actually. <clears throat> Therefore, it says in Romans chapter 11, look at what it says. Romans chapter 11, verse 19 onwards. Why is this important? Look at what it says. You shall say then branches were cut off that I might be grafted in. Right? Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. Fear, 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 bhaya parandi. Bhaya mutto, vanukutto, ni rakshanu, kaapaduko. That's what you, with, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith, do not be haughty, but fear. Then what it say, what does it say? For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not even spare you either. Therefore, Consider the goodness and severity of God. See how the connection between fearing and knowing his name completely. In other words, understand God in his totality, Baba. Don't just have, uh, oh, God is always good. Yes, he is good. Whatever he does is good. His punishment is also good. Everything about him is good. Consider the goodness of God and the severity of God. Therefore, he says, therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, that is, fell away, severity, but you, toward you, goodness, and then, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise, you will be also cut off. That means, you have to continue in the word of God, in the fear of God, so that you will understand both the goodness of God and the severity of God. Okay. His secret is with those who fear him, it says in Psalm 34, if I'm right. Okay. So consider the goodness of God and fear of, and the, and the severity of God. Why? Why? Proverbs chapter 14 verse 26 in both the NKJV and the NIV. It'll be, it's a beautiful verse. Okay. 14:26 of Proverbs. In the fear of the Lord, there is what? Strong confidence. And his children have a place of refuge. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And his children, that is God's children, have a place of refuge in the fear of the Lord. And who is that one person who feared the Lord? Who delighted in the fear of the Lord? Christ. And if you are in Christ, one of the characteristics that we will manifest is what? The fear of the Lord. So that we have a place of refuge. There is only one place. In him, we have refuge. No other place. In Christ, you are safe. Wherever Christ is. In Christ, you have safety. 
whoever fears the Lord, if you can put it in an IV, it's very interesting. I like that. Who, he who has a fear, he who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. Imagine a fortress. क्या बोलते हैं हिंदी में चट्टान बोलते क्या नहीं नहीं पता नहीं उसको क्या बोलते हैं हिंदी स्ट्रॉन्ग होल्ड ओके ही हु फियर्स द लॉर्ड इज लाइक अ सिक्योर फोर्ट्रेस अ माइटी फोर्ट्रेस इज अ गॉड राइट एंड फॉर हिज चिल्ड्रन इट विल बी अ रिफ्यूज अ रिफ्यूज इन टाइम ऑफ ट्रबल देयरफॉर व्हाट शुड आवर प्रेयर बी व्हाट शुड आवर प्रेयर बी यूनाइट माय हार्ट टू फियर योर नेम सेकंड नेहमाया चैप्टर 1 वर्स 11 नेहमाया Chapter one, verse eleven. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who have this kind of prayer. By the way, you can actually meditate upon this prayer. I wanted to do it, but I, I'll do it maybe some other time. On the prayer of your servant and the and the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For the king, for I was the king's cupbearer. There is a desire. Unite my heart to fear my fear, fear your name, and let me have the desire to fear your name. Both are important. Why is this important? Why is this important? Look at what it says in Revelation chapter eleven, verses fifteen onwards. Revelation chapter eleven, verses fifteen onwards, setting the premise as to why we should have that unity of heart to fear God's name. Then the seventh angel sounded. and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world i told you right the prudent man foresees evil and he hides why because the kingdoms of this cosmos of this world have become the kingdoms of our lord and savior jesus christ and he shall reign forever and ever therefore let him reign over your life now seek ye first the kingdom of god now seek his kingdom now not then because that kingdom is going to come as it shattered that that uh, that statue and it was a small stone and after that it just grew into a huge mountain it's going to establish going to devour every other kingdom and then it says go on and the 24 elders who sat before god on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped god saying we give you thanks o lord god almighty the one who is and who was and who is to come because you have taken your because you have taken your great power and reigned and then the nations were angry and your wrath has come and and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name small and great and shall destroy those who destroy the earth what is you, what are you going to do you are going to reward your servants your prophets and your holy ones or the saints and those who fear your name then what happens verse next verse 19 Then the temple of the God, temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of His covenant was seen in His temple. You see, after they came back uh, to rebuild Solomon's temple, nothing is mentioned about the ark. Do you know that? The ark has disappeared. I don't know. The ark, of course, was as a type of Jesus Himself. Okay, the ark disappeared. That is the reason why we had that movie by Steven Spielberg. Remember, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Lost Ark. Oh, they found the Ark of the Covenant. All fiction. It's not there, Baba. <laughs> It is not there. It's not there. You will find it 
Then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in this temple. And there were lightnings and noises and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. You want to see the ark of the covenant? Nobody could see the ark of the covenant. You know, only the high priest would go once into that most holy place, once in a year. And that too, first of all, he has to fill the most holy place with so much of incense and smoke so that he will not go there and die. But one day... All those who fear his name. The temple of God will be opened. And the ark of the covenant will be seen. In his temple. Did you get that everybody? You know how they used to bring the ark right? They used to cover it. They cover the whole thing. And put it on those loops. And carry it on our shoulders. They were not supposed to expose it. And they did it. They paid a huge price. And we know that very well right? So. Unite my heart to fear your name. Lord, make my heart what? One. So that one thing I will seek. One thing is needed. This one thing I will do, said Paul. And so let us look at another one thing today. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 27. Look at four attitudes here again. <clears throat> Let's read from verses 1 to 4. Hmm? The Lord is my light and my salvation. This is a psalm of David, by the way. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Okay. The Lord has, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall, my, whom shall I fear? The Lord is not going to be my light. He's not going to give me light. The Lord is my light. The Lord is not, to, is not going to bring me salvation. The Lord is my salvation. That's exactly what what uh, what God told Moses. I am your shield. Uh, sorry, not Moses. Uh, uh, Abraham in uh, Genesis chapter fifteen. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. Okay. The Lord is my light, and the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? These are all rhetorical questions, by the way. So you can convert them into statements. If the Lord is my light and my salvation. I will fear no one. If the Lord is the strength of my life, I will be afraid of no one. When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Verse 3. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Those who fear the Lord will not fear any man. Okay, My heart shall not fear. Though war may raise against, him, against me, in this I will be confident. So verse 4 will say, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Thank you. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Fourth, fourth verse may four things have. Oh, one thing may four things have. In that one thing, there are four parts. It's interesting, okay. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek. First, there is a desire and there is a seeking. You got it? Lot of people desire. Few people seek. Do you know that? Let me give you an example. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4. The soul of a lazy man Desires, Abba, and has nothing. <laughs> but there is desire. But there is no seeking. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. 
That's the reason why it is not important that for you to be intelligent, but it is important for you to be diligent. Diligent means doing the same thing over and over. Consistency is the name of the game. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But what is the spirit of the lazy man? Proverbs chapter 20 verse 4. The lazy man will not plow, plow because of winter. <laughs> like that. Because of winter he will, he will not plow. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Why does the lazy man not plow? Because of winter. What is, what is winter? It is an excuse. No. What do, what do you do in winter? Actually, you know, once you get into that uh, sleep mode in winter and you go under the that quilt or whatever you call it, oh, finished. Nobody can wake you up. Hmm? Excuse me, what's that? Hibernation, exactly. Ah, yeah, exactly. Hibernation for six months, you will go there only. You see, what is this? I'll tell you what winter is. Winter is bad habits which have become soft beds. Very easy to get in, very difficult to get out. Who said that? Navjot Singh Siddhu. That is the reason why you should listen to cricket commentary. Hmm? You will get lots of uh, uh, anecdotes. Okay, Bad habits are soft bits. Very easy to get in. So what is covering the lazy man? Lazy man is covered by bad habits. Excuse me, just a minute please. Turn to Proverbs. Chapter 24. And verse 30 onwards. I went to the field of the lazy man. So he's going to define the lazy man. Who's a lazy man? And, and, and by the vineyard of the man devoid of. Oh yeah. He doesn't have what? Why does he not have understanding? The fear of the Lord it says is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy one is understanding. So there is no fear of God for this fellow. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual. See, most of the time when we look at these words, verses. When I was a kid, I used to read these verses. I used to apply it to my, my, uh, what do you say, studies. Ah, oh, lazy fellow, study hard. That's good. It's one level of, uh, one, one level of application. But that is only a parable of the permanent. This is only temporary. That is permanent. So I went by the field of the lazy man and the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. Why is he devoid of understanding? Two reasons. First of all, he has no fear of the Lord. Second, Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. This is what it says. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Consider what I say. Other, tra- other translations can put the ESV. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That means he doesn't have a thought, uh, the process, a pattern of meditating upon God's word day in and day out. Okay. 
That is the reason why it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, reason why you people don't delight in the law of the Lord is because they walk in the counsel of the ungodly, they stand in the way of sinners, they sit in the seat of the scornful, they sit with those people who hate God. Who are not interested in God? Who are their maximum people? Who are who, who are their acquaintances? These are the acquaintances who are of the people who are compromised and who have no interest in the things of God. So how will you get interest, Baba, in the things of God? Uh, that they waste time in so many other things. That's what I said. No delight. Yesterday we were talking about that. Uh, is pleasure wrong? No. There's a pleasure in God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ezekiel says, when I found your scroll, I ate it and it became honey in my mouth. Honey means sweetness. It was sweet. Okay. Your, 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 your words were given and I devoured it, says Jeremiah. <laughs> devoured it. He ate it. He's sitting in the seat of the scornful. That means seat of the scornful means those are the people who sit in armchairs and you know what? They uh, analyze what is coming there from there. They analyze. They don't have an inclination to hear. They're obtuse. They're indifferent to spiritual things. There's a lot of scoffing in the last days. That's exactly what Peter will say. In the last days who will come? Scoffers will come walking after their own lusts, it says. They have the, some other desire. And they will say, what is the use of seeking God every day from morning to evening? You are seeking God, seeking God, seeking God, seeking God, seeking God. Where is the promise of His coming? Meaning, it's a spiritual inclination. They don't think the day of evil is at hand. They think that this life is a permanent. It's amazing, isn't it? That we don't realize the one truth that this life is too short and eternity is too long. And once this life ends, it's not, it's not going to come back. This life is a very short, that's the reason why Paul says, the light and momentary affliction is preparing for me an eternal weight of reward. What, what kind of a weight? Hmm, eternal weight? Eternal weight of reward. Either it's going to be an eternal weight of reward or it's going to be an eternal weight of punishment. And that is set. So the kind of spiritual state you will enter into eternity is going to be the permanent. After a while, there is nothing, they are not going to change that anymore. So let let your outward man be perishing, but hopefully our inward man is growing. What? Being renewed into from glory to glory. As we look at things which are not seen. Why? The things which are not seen are permanent. The things which are seen are temporary. Our focus therefore, otherwise we'll be scoffing. We'll become scoffers. That's how it is a very bad spirit which enters into our bones. A spirit of coughing, scoffing. It's a rebellious attitude. So, de- so, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's the reason why Paul says, flee all these things, but pursue righteousness, love, faith, with all those things who, with all those who cry out to God from a pure heart. So seek for people who have this desire for God and who are not satisfied with little, little things, who have this uninsatiable appetite for God. That uh, I was reading um, uh, 
A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of the Holy. Ah, one of the classics. I read it twice. I want to read that over and over again. I kept it in my library. So, read it twice. So, when I went to Amazon.com once and I just lo- was looking at the reviews for that book, one reviewer, no, he, has, he, sa- he made a remarkable statement. He says, he says, this book gave me a holy dissatisfaction for God. A holy dissatisfaction. That means, whatever I get, I'm still not satisfied. That is the reason why blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know why they don't hunger and thirst after righteousness? Because they are not beggarly in spirit. They are rich. Okay, so scoffers will come in the last days. So what happens? It says, why does he not have understanding? Go back to Proverbs chapter 23. Sorry, the uh, with the place where uh, where we are talking about uh, uh, Proverbs chapter twenty four, verse thirty. Twenty four, verse thirty. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And we know why he was devoid of understanding. Two things: he never thought. He was not meditating about the things of God. So his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth he meditate. How long? Day and night, day out. And that's what he tells tells Joshua also. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it day in and day in and day out. Then thou shalt make your way prosperous. You want success, God's way? Meditate upon my ways. Meditate upon my ways, brother. Brother, I'm doing so many other things. Let me tell you, give you examples. Do you think uh, uh, David was a clergy or a layman? Layman. Daniel was a clergy or a layman? Layman. Actually, a lot of clergy is compromised. You know that? But laymen were not, were not compromising. Daniel was one guy who was given revelation. 21 days he fasted for revelation, Baba. 21 days in the man in the old covenant. Can you see how how much of a hunger for God's word he had? A man in the old covenant. How much more we in the new covenant when we have given the complete revelation. We don't have an excuse. Right? Therefore, meditate upon it. That word is hege in Hebrew, which, which means like a lion sitting on its prey and devouring it. You know how a lion hunts, right? Oh my goodness, hunts in packs. And once it gets its prey, it's gone. No one can take away the concentration from that food. So, so devour, meditate upon it. So, I went by the field of a lazy man, a man, uh, and a vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. This is an ability. It's a spiritual discipline that we need to uh, develop over a period of time. Hopefully, it will develop. And verse thirty-one. And there it was. <laughs> what it was? All overgrown with what? Thorns. What does it mean? It is growing with thorns. Ka matlab kya hai? Rain is falling. Water is falling. Right? But what is growing? Thorns are growing. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. Just right opposite to my house. Okay, Four or five months back, the landlords, it was an empty plot, the landlord sent a, a earth mover, no? that digger thing, they sent that thing to clean up that place and make that full of weeds it was, overgrown with weeds. So that fellow came and, you know, within one week he just removed the whole place and cleared it up clean and nice it was. Three or four months you should see, you know. It was just 
as it was a few years, few few months back, if not worse. And what were there in those bushes? Snakes. Two snakes came to our house. One one into our house and one one by her house. And two Russell's vipers. That means you if you want thorns and briars to grow, what should you what you should do? Nothing. Ah, Adi. Nothing. You just leave it like that. The law of entropy works. Everything is going towards disorder, chaos. Unless you apply some external force. Deliberate. See, spiritual disciplines are deliberate disciplines, by the way. You deliberately get up from from your bed and say, no, I'm not going to sleep. Then your whole body is craving for more sleep. (laughs) You say, you know what it says? Jesus woke up early. Telugu lo. Pendalakada lechi. Bah. Pendalakada lechi. Early in the morning. Before the sun rose, he went to a place by himself and he prayed. It's a habit. So what happens? And they was overgrown, covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken. And of course, this is a wise man. He's looking at that place and he's considering something. Look at what he says. Next verse. When I saw it, I considered it well. We should all learn from other people's mistakes. In other words, I looked on it and I received instruction. You see, this is the incredible, uh, what do you say, uh, uh, I would say gift of God. Gift of God. No, I, I remember some time back, um, one preacher, I don't want to mention his name, um, brothers will know, even as I'm speaking, who are that person is. So this very wise man, no, he was talking about uh, going to a bookstore in uh, in the US, in New York. And it's a chain of bookstores, it's called Barnes and Noble, no? And Barnes and Noble is a very famous uh, uh, chain of bookstores and then he, he's gone there and he looks at uh, the spirituality section, different, different fiction, non-fiction, etc. And there's one section called spirituality section. And what does he find in the spirituality section? He finds, oh, so many books, Christian modern writers, modern Christian writers, New Age philosophers, Christi- uh, Hindus, Muslims, everybody, tons and tons of modern day writers as to how to connect to the, the unseen force, the universal force, whatever they want to call it. And Christians will say God. And then he went to the theology section. You know what he said? In theology section, he didn't find any modern day authors anymore. Old Puritans. He considered all that and he came to a conclusion. You know what he said? He looked at the spirituality section and he looked at the theology section and he says, you know, these days, people want intimacy without responsibility. Comes out. That is wisdom. The ability to watch and look at the circumstances around that is going on around our world and receiving what? Instruction. Do you know that you don't have to receive only instruction from the pulpit, that you can actually read the signs of times. That's exactly the reason why it says uh, about the sons of Issachar, that they had the understanding of the times. And they gave spiritual direction to those people under them. There were only 200 people. 
They had the understanding as to what is going on. What an incredible, uncanny, what is say, uh, what is say, uh, the, uh, uh, a gift to, to, to really covet. That you should be able to look at the circumstances around you and receive spiritual instruction. One of the, one of the, one of the things that you can look at is, everybody shut in and nobody is even complaining. They are all shut in. They are succumbing to fear. The fear of God, the fear of death has literally swallowed so many people up. You know why? Because they don't have hope on the other side. Because their life is, their hope is in this life only. And even if, even if Christians have hope only in this life, you know what it says? Of all the people you are most to be pitied. So I saw it, I considered it well and I looked on it and I received instruction. What is that instruction? A little sleep. This fellow, he loved sleep. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. What happened? Therefore your poverty will come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Therefore consider the ant you. You see, no? One chicken piece fell on that thing yesterday. On the carpet. Within no time, from where these fellows came, we don't know. One line, Kateshir Antikla. And everybody is bearing others, others' burdens and taking the peace. That's what it says, no? Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Yeah, 6 6. Consider. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which does not have any captain. You know what captain means? Nyayan Jeshavad. Nyayan Jeshavad, Having no captain, no overseer, no ruler, what does it do? Provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. And who is he discussing about? Uh, well, that guy was absolutely spiritually lazy. He's got desire, but he has nothing. You know why? Because he's not going to seek. Because seeking is work. Seeking is work, Prabha. You know why? You will search for me Jeremiah chapter 23, 29 verse 13, not 23, 29, 13, 29, 13, yeah, if I'm right. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with, oh, unite my heart to seek you with all my heart, not just part of my heart. So think about it, no? You go to work. What should you seek? The glory of God. Lord, let your name be glorified through my work. Okay. Whatever you do, Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 will say, whether you eat or whether you drink. Yeah, you can see that. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not as to men. Whether you eat or you drink. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Bad habits are soft beds, my dear brothers. Very easy to get in. Very easy to get out. Difficult to work out. So what is, why does a lazy man not work? Because it is winter. What is winter? Excuses. 
right? One of the things that you should hate in your life is the is your ability to give excuses actually. Right? You you have 101 reasons as to why that those things cannot be done, no? Your ability to, to give excuses. Your ability to see the negative. That's exactly what happened with in Numbers chapter 14. Their, their ability to see all the negatives in them and the reasons as to why they cannot get enter into the promised land. But you know what it says? Caleb was one man who sought God. How? With all of his heart. And he says, we are able to conquer it and these people will be what for us? Fodder for us. This will be food for us. He said, every time you overcome sin in your life, you know what is going to happen? It will become spiritual food for you and you are becoming strong in faith, strong in your spirit, more dependent upon God, more of the strength of God is becoming is, is becoming a part of your strength. The spiritual strength is increasing and increasing, increasing. And like the way it says uh, for uh, about Apostle Paul that he increased in strength. Saul's strength decreased and the strength of house of David increased. Okay. They have excuses why as to why you can't do. Have you said all the, all the time excuse, 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 excuse. I remember one uh, German professor joke, I don't know if it's how, how true it is. Four fellows they decided to they didn't study the whole year. So what they did was, uh, the exam day, examination day was coming. They, four of them decided to flunk the exam. I mean, sorry, uh, lie to the professor saying, sir, no, no, actually, not, not study. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they decided to skip the exam uh, so that they can get another day for the exam. Uh, how do they decide to skip the exam? They will go late. And what is the reason they are going to give? Sir, we had a flat tire on the way when we were coming in the car. So they started that. So they came very late to the exam. The examination, exam is already over. They came to the examination hall and they came to the professor and said, Sir, 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 so sorry, sir. Uh, we were coming, sir, and, uh, and, uh, please, uh, give us another opportunity. I know you can't give the exam now. You know, I know you'll give it at a later date. Um, but so sorry, sir, we could not write the exam because our, we had a flat tire. Uh, the professor said, Why late? Today only I will give you the paper. But I will only ask one question. Only one question. Okay. But I will put you in different, different rooms. And only one question. Which tire? I will decide a grade. Which tire got? Flat. Got punctured. Different, different rooms and which tire? They all saw the question paper. <laughs> now they have to... Apply more intelligence. Nash equilibrium. Game theory they have to apply. Mm -hmm. See? Lazy. Excuses. You know what? On that day you will not have any excuses. You know what Jesus will say? I gave you the power. I gave you my son. I gave you the power. I gave you all things pertaining to what? Life and godliness. And he says, grace and truth be, peace be multiplied to you. Only thing. I will do the multiplication, you do the addition. What is addition? Which is easy? Multiplication or addition? Addition. You add to your faith this and this and this and this and you just do the addition, I will do the multiplication. 
lazy. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Okay. There will be so many people on that day who will be giving excuses. And God says, that day you will have no excuse. Okay. So lazy man desires and has nothing. You know why? The lazy man will not plow because because it is (laughs) winter. He will beg during harvest and he will have nothing. Let us look at that one verse in NIV. And then we can, we'll go to the next point. NII. NIV. 24. A slugger does not plow in season. Yeah. You see that? There is a season of plowing. There is a season for studying the word. There is a season in, in investing in your spiritual life. After a while, you think after you grow old, your interest for spiritual things will suddenly increase? No. If you never had interest when you were a small small boy or when you were a young man or a teenager, do you think suddenly that interest will come? No. That is the reason why the older you get, it's difficult for you to change simply because strongholds have been established and you have to really, really pay the price. Willing to pay the price. Not that it is impossible. But you have to be willing. If you are willing and obedient. If there be first a willing mind. I hope we all have. So what should we do? We have to seek God with our whole heart. Psalm 119 verse 2. First verse 2. Just keep on Psalm 119. Okay, I will tell you the verses. You just keep popping them on the screen. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with the whole heart. How? Okay, blessed are those who keep his testimonies and who seek him with the whole heart. They don't seek him with half heart, whole heart. That's how it starts. Then go to verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Why, Why do people wander? Because they don't seek him with the whole heart. Simple. Why are they wanderers in the kingdom? I told you, no. There are they are fugitives, they are vagabonds, and there are pilgrims. Vagabonds means wanderers. Why are they wandering? Because they have no interest in seeking God with their whole heart. Their interests are divided. Interests are divided. Whatever you do, my dear brothers, whatever it is, you are doing research. Seek God in that research. Yesterday I was actually. Um, Writing down something, you know. Um, I'll I'll read this for you, okay? Very interesting. Um, I forgot to put it up here. Let me read it for you. Hmm? Was this one? Yeah. Look at this. Robert J. Straw. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason. For the scientist who has lived by, by, by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who had been sitting there for centuries. Wasting time. 
That means you have to see God in your work, even in your work. Lord, what does, what brings you glory? Even when you're writing your mathematical equations, you know, one of the things you can do is, Lord, look at the beauty of math. Everything is so perfect. How is it? You are the one who created this. The patterns in nature have to excite you to serve God. Have to make you stronger in your faith. I'm, sometimes I'm stunned by sudden parallels, no? One, one theory is applicable across domains. How come? Because the one who created is a designer. He's a common designer for everyone. For the scientist who has lived by faith, by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a black, bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who had been sitting there for centuries. Theologians means not just people who go to Bible college. No. We are all theologians in one sense. We are understanding God. We are knowing God. If you know God, You'll know everything. Do you know that? <laughs> is a <the> question. <laughs> oh, this is my challenge to everyone. God will give you understanding. Okay? So, with my whole heart have I sought thee, oh, let me do not wander from your commandments. And then, 32 is a killer. Okay? Too much it is. I will run the course of your commandments for you shall... Enlarge my heart. Look at this. I don't walk in your commandments. I will not tread on your commandments. I will run the course. Course must come. It's a race track. There's a race that is set before me. I just don't walk. I run. Why? For you? Enlarge my heart. I'll tell you. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 1 to 3. 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 to 3. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this we we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Why can't we run? Because it's a burden. Oh, boy, you know how much I'm work doing for the Lord? Sister, brother, if that is what it makes you to work with the God, don't work for him, please. It's not burdensome. Actually, KJ will use the word grievous. <laughs> I can actually use that. Okay. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. In other words, they don't cause grief. What should they cause? Joy, in other words. That's the reason why he says, I will run the course of your commandments. Matlab, there's a course of commandments that means, ek, uh, doctors bolte na, ek course ko khatam karo. Hmm? And for, for them, for lot of people to take antibiotics is a big torture. Seven days antibiotic, oh, course, you have to finish that course. It's a dreadful thing, no? For many, many people. But he says, I will run the course of your commandments when you shall enlarge my heart. 11934. Give me understanding 
and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. You know, what is he saying? Lord, give me understanding, Lord. And I, and I pray and I promise you one thing. I will keep it with my whole heart. No heart, half heart, half hearted measures over here. You give me understanding, you, it's a done deal. So it shall be written, and so it shall be done. You give me some work, it's a done deal. Can the Lord trust you with that? Think about it. If somebody gives you a work in the church, is it a done deal? Oh, no. Vijay, if I give him that work finished, he'll go, he's gonna take it forever, for, take forever. He will give what? Excuses. Please. Give me understanding. Okay. Lord opened the understanding of his disciples. Remember that? Why did he open the understanding of his disciples? He was sure now. Now these guys, once they have got their understanding, they are going to keep my commandments with their whole heart. They are going to be sold out for me now. In one, in, in, in 50 days, by the time Pentecost comes, and by the, by the way, this year, Pentecost is June 7th, is the anniversary of our church. Kya baat hai? Okay. And it's coinciding with, uh, Corona. Okay. We will not be having our celebration, but we will celebrate. Hopefully that day, many of you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Hopefully. But you should seek it, no? Think about it, no? Think about it, think about it. Do you think the gifts of God are only for a few people? No. If, if, how many people who have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit have asked God, Lord, please Lord, give it to me. I, I, I remember, I was one among them. I knew this was this gift was there, but I was like seeking Lord. I said, Lord, please, Lord, give me. And one thing I said, Lord, give me genuine. And when we had our first Pentecost of our church, oh boy, I went with so much of expectancy in my heart. My heart was beating against my chest. I was hoping, Lord, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. One sister first got touched. I was getting scared now. And that day, the Lord baptized and you wouldn't believe it. I was like a man, a boy who got a toy, you know. I just grabbed it. I was running around it and I was going on top of the mountain. I was speaking in tongues. I called my friend who was, who already was baptized in the Holy Spirit and was, who could speak in tongues. And he said, Ajay, you want to hear something? <laughs> Ajay, you want to hear something? And he said, ah, Vijay, no, no, now you got baptized, right? I know. All this will be like this only in the, in the beginning. I hope it will continue. It was, I was like that. I was going crazy, you know? I said, Ajay, do you know something? <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, seek it, Baba. Seek. These are some gifts. It's not that God will, may give you, may not, but you should seek. He may give, he may not give. Don't be disappointed if he doesn't give you, but you should seek. You should say, Lord, you are not a respecter of persons. I want genuine tongues. And after that, there was no turning back. I believe in tongues, many people will say. <laughs> Baba, I speak in tongues. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't believe, I speak. I believe and therefore, Ayo, <laughs> you see, 
that's the point anyway that's um, i'm not going to go into too much of that because some people might get disappointed but it's okay holy disappointment is okay okay what says thou seek for those gifts baba we give we being evil give good gifts to our children how much more our heavenly father seek for the infilling of the holy spirit seek and after that it will not be ch- your life will not be the same i'm telling you will become a fool for christ it will not be the same it will not be the same there's going to be a clear demarcation from that day onwards because in the heavenlies they will know this guy has got the heavenly tongue he can cut through you know those days bless the lord oh my soul they can only worship god with their that means their understanding their will and their emotions what about you and me bless the lord oh my you will speak it in english no direct heavenly language connection it will cut through the whole realm of the demonic and directly connect with god that gift why do you not want to seek the language of angels you are going there anyway no might as well get it now give me understanding and i shall keep your law indeed i shall observe it with my whole heart okay was was 34 i think it was 34 was 34 okay i have missed it i entreated okay I, i don't know which verse is this i entreated thy favor with my whole heart be merciful to me according to your word okay verse 69 we'll look at verse 69 verse 69 the proud have forged a lie against me but i will keep your precepts with my whole heart verse 45 if i'm right for well, 145 not verse 45 was 145 i cry out to the lord with my whole heart hear me o lord i will keep your statutes everywhere you'll see whole heart whole heart whole heart whole heart all right so the first thing that i am one thing i have desired and therefore i will seek so it's desire is not just important the most more just desire is not sufficient you have to also seek desire is desire seeking is hard work that is the reason why jesus says um disciples come and ask jesus will many will come, come into the kingdom you know what he says strive to enter through the narrow way many will try to seek but only few will find many will have desire but few will be pay, willing to pay the cost you understand what i'm saying very only few will be willing to pay the price to walk with god with their whole heart therefore god says with my whole heart ask god to unite uh, unite your heart to fear his name so that you can seek him with the whole heart no half measures complete with the best of my knowledge lord i am for Uh, for you lord i want your ways i want to seek your ways i want to do do so with my whole heart first thing second one thing have i desired that i may seek after okay so there's a desire and there's seeking that i may what dwell in the house of the lord let's look let's go back to psalm 24 and see the 27, 27 verse 4 one thing i have desired and that, that, that i will seek and therefore there's a there's a colon so is giving you what should you seek in that one thing first is we sort we talk about the desire and the seeking part second that i may dwell in the house of the lord 
all the days of my life. Okay, so, first of all, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Therefore, therefore it begs three questions. What and who is the house? What does it mean to dwell? Third, how long and should I dwell? Fourth, how should I dwell? Got it? First question, what is the house? Second question, what is what does it mean to dwell? Third question, how long should I dwell? Fourth question, how should I dwell? Therefore, first of all, we should understand what is this house? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. And let's read from verse 1 to 6. We'll answer these questions, okay? Hopefully, part by part. Therefore, holy brothers. What, what kind of brothers are we? Holy brothers. We are not ordinary brothers, Baba. We are sanctified brethren. Therefore, when we address one another, let there be respect. You understand? Let there be mutual respect, okay? Let therefore, holy brothers, partakers of heavenly calling, of uh, the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Okay, now he's talking about, uh, he's de- defining. Now look, if you look at the entire book of Hebrews, Hebrews, Jesus is first contrasted with the heavens, with the a- angels. Second is contrasted with Moses. Third is contrasted with uh, Joshua. Fourth is contrasted with Aaron. Why is he contrasted? You know what? Contrasting is the mother of clarity. Contrast is the mother of clarity. Says who? Osginus. Okay. You want to know who is a hard working man? Compare him with a lazy man. You will know who a, <laughs> who a hard working man is. You want to know who is a topper of the class? So, you know, when you have an examination, there is a comparison. Whether you like it or not. Oh, you should not compare. Is it the point is, does Jesus compare? What says thou? He compares. You know what he says? Many will come east and from east and west and uh, south. When when does he say that? When he looks at the centurion's faith, he says, "Baba, I have never seen such faith, not even in Israel." And many will come and from east and west and will become uh, will sit at uh, the table of Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out. Think about that. Why? They have faith and these people did not have. Comparing. Comparing, contrasting is the mother of clarity. Did Paul not compare? Oh yeah, he did. The brothers in Macedonia, out of their affliction they have given to your Corinthians. To you, so Corinthians learn from them. Comparing and contrasting is the mother of what? Clarity. If you want to see how much on fire for God you are, compare yourself with with those people who are on fire for God, then you will know. The reason why you don't want to compare, you don't compare on these things actually. We compare uh, how many cars they have, how many bikes they have, or how many houses they have. That is not comparison. Okay, compare. Mm-hmm. So here is con- contrasting of course with Moses, so that you will understand clearly that this man is divine. Okay. 
he's 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 beyond them. Okay, who who was faithful to him, who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, in as much as he who has built the house has more honor than the house. Okay, and then verse four: For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Okay, you'll see built, built, built coming over here. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things would be which would be spoken afterward. The comparison here. But Christ as a son over his own house. Ah, whose house we are. So where should, he says, one thing have I desired that I may dwell in his house. Who's, what, where is God's house? God does not dwell in temples made with hands, but this is God's house. And we don't want to be visitors in God's house. We want to be dwellers in God's house. Right? We don't want to be visitors in God's house. That's the reason why we, we every time we, you know, we say this in the church. There are visitors and there are disciples. Okay, not all Israel is, is Israel. There are visitors and there are disciples. Disciples stay, they are Therefore, good. They dwell in the house of the Lord. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of our hope. Uh, you see, how long should we dwell, dwell in the house of the Lord? All the days of our life means what? We should hold fast to the confidence firm till the end. That's what it, that's what it, we saw in Romans chapter 11 verse 22, right? What, what did it, what does it say? If you continue in his goodness, then you will never be cut off. Continue. Look at this. Another place. No, Hebrews chapter 3, again same, verses 14 to 17. Look at what it says. 14 to 17. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And then, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion. For who having heard rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt? Led by Moses? Yes. Now, with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not all those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And therefore, he said that it says in 4.1, therefore, they could not enter in because of their unbelief. Okay. So, hold fast your confidence firm till the end. 6, chapter 6, verses 5 to 11. Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 5 to 11. And after having tasted the good word of God, the powers of the age to come. If you fall away, actually, let's read from verse four, four onwards, to scare all of us for the nth time. For it is impossible. What is that? Impossible, matlab? Impossible. Okay, uska aur koi ardh nahi hai. Ek keval ek hi ardh hai. Oh, impossible. Na mumkin. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. Who have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the good word of God. And the powers of the age to come. Five things. If they. So let's look at this next verse. verse. If they fall away. To renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the son of God. And put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain. That often falls upon it. And bears uh, herbs useful for those. Of whom it is cultivated. Receives a blessing from God. And verse 8, but if it bears thorns and briars, he's looked at that, lazy man, right? It is rejected and near to be being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, 
things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. And what are the things which accompany salvation? Verse 10 and 11 will tell you. For God is not unjust to forget your work, your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints, and you continue to minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. We need endurance. This is what we call as long obedience in a single direction. So if you are going off track, so that with my whole heart have I sought thee, oh let me not what? Wander from your commandments. Let that be the prayer of our heart. Okay, so you have to be firm. So how long should you dwell in the house of the Lord? All the days of our life. That means what? Till the end. All the days of our life on earth. So that is one thing that I have sought. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now let us examine what does it mean to dwell in the house of the Lord. We understood who the who the house that who is that house is God's house. That is Jesus Christ himself. He says I am the temple of the Holy. So uh, destroy this uh, temple and I will build it back again in three days. He was, ta- was talking about his, his house and we are his house. So how long should we dwell and how should we dwell? First of all, we answer the question, what is that house? Second, we answer the question, how long we should dwell? Third, we need to answer this question, how should we dwell? Let's turn now, therefore, to John's Gospel, chapter 15. Let's read from verse 1. I am the true wine, and my father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears, fr- bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear much fruit. <coughs> verse 4. You are already clean because of the word which I have, which I have spoken to you, verse 3. And verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And verse 5 will say, without me you can do nothing. Okay, so what does it mean to abide? What does it mean to abide? To abiding... You know, how, how do I know that I'm abide? I'm, I'm bearing what? Much fruit. First thing. I'm bearing fruit. Second thing, you know how I'm abiding? Whoever bears fruit, what does God do? Prunes. That is how I know that I'm abiding. Okay. Third, you know how I'm abiding? Abide in my word. It says in 15.7. 15.7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. You see that? How do you know that I am abiding in him? I am continuing to abide in his word. That is one thing. That is the reason why it says, not forsaking the assembly, knowing that the day is what? Approaching. Continuously. Continuously abiding in his word. Fourth thing, he says, 15 verses 9 to 10. This is the most important. Abide in his word. Abiding in him, knowing that without him we can do nothing. And he will prune. That means what should should I do? Abiding in his discipline basically. Okay. This is important. 15 verses 9 and 10. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. How do, what, how do I abide? If I abide, I am abiding in love. How do I abide in his love? By keeping 
his commandments. Now think about it. I abide in his word. That means I'm continuously being filled. I mean, receiving his word. I'm just not receiving in his word. Receiving his word. I'm also obeying his commandments. And when I'm obeying his commandments, I'm abiding in what? In his love. So what should my prayer be? Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 3 to 5. <clears throat> but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence where? Ah, in the Lord, not in you. None of us. <laughs> okay. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Paul is so beautiful when he's writing his letters. He understands that it is only through Christ that in Christ, everything is possible only in Christ. Okay. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you will do and will do. You will continue to do. You will do now and you will continue to do the things that we command you. Okay. We have confidence. So what we do? What do we do? Now may the Lord direct your hearts where? Into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. That means I have to abide in Christ patiently. And I have to abide in the love of God patiently. So what is he praying? Lord, may you direct your hearts, their hearts, into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. So that they not only obey my commandments, they will obey the things that I have commanded them. And we have confidence in the Lord for your sake. Paul says. That should be our prayer. Right? So he, whatever bears fruit, what is, what is the Lord going to do? He's going to prune it. So how do you know that I'm abiding in him? If you're being disciplined by God. Proverbs chapter 3. Just give me a minute. I'll tell you the exact verse. I want I want us to read a bunch of verses there. <clears throat> Verse 11 to 12. My son, does, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father, the son in whom he delights. You know what he does? He cuts. He prunes, he cuts, that's, that's what it's called, that's what is called circumcising. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to do what? To the love of the Lord, your God. With, oh, all your heart, Baba. And with all your soul, that you may live. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And therefore, what should I do? I should abide in His love. And when He abides in His love, you know what happens? He starts cutting us, pruning us, taking away all those desires of the flesh. Okay, Disciplining us. Oh boy, He will chasten us. The more you are being chastened, the more you know that you are loved, or you are being loved. Otherwise, what kind of a children are you? Illegitimate. No, actually, Telugu, durbijulu. You know what durbijam means? Of the wrong seed, of the corruptible seed. Oof. 
We are not of the corruptible seed, right? We are of the incorruptible seed. The living and the abiding word of God. By his own will he has begotten us again. How? By the word of truth. James chapter 1 verse 18 will say. You don't have to turn there. Therefore, if you have been born of God and if you are sons of God, what does he do? He prunes us. He cuts away. And that's exactly what we know about, uh, not Zarephath. What's the first place where, uh, Chiriath, right? Keriath, Keriath. Keriath is a place of cutting. So Elijah has to be cut. He has to be circumcised. Everything of the flesh has to be cut away in our lives. Pruned more and more so that we'll become brighter and brighter. The path of the righteous is like the shining sun which grows brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Amen. So he has to, so what, what should he do? Abide in his word, abide in his love and abide in his discipline. Whenever he disciplines, just don't, don't, don't run away. Three things I will always tell you. Abide in his word. That means keep his commandments. Abide in his love. Okay, that, so therefore ask God to direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ and abide in his discipline. Three things you need to take every day. Every day, Lord. And my heart should be on fire for you, Lord. That love for you should never dwindle. And love for you should never dwindle. That's exactly what happened to the Ephesian church. So the third thing, first, to uh, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then then go back to Psalm 27 verse 4. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So first thing we said, desire and seek. Second, to dwell all the days. So to dwell, we know what, what, what we, first we understood what the house of the Lord is, and we understood how long we should dwell, and how should we dwell, okay? Third, to behold the beauty of the Lord. How, you know what the word beauty means? The beauty in the Hebrew comes from the word Naom, from which we get the word? Naomi, exactly, pleasant. The pleasantness, the kindness of God. The beauty of God. It is the what of God which leaves us repentance. It's the beauty of God. It is when we behold the beauty of God, what is happening to us? We are also becoming beautiful. No, there's a beautiful hymn that we used to sing when we were in our mainline churches. No, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in him, seen in me. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen. Let the beauty of Jesus be. Seen in me, all is wondrous compassion and purity. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refined till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. O, O thou spirit divine, all my nature refined till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. But the problem is, what kind of a beauty is that? Turn to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 and 2. Who has believed our report, O Lord? (laughs) Okay. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. 
And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should. So what kind of a beauty is there in Jesus? What should we see in Jesus? First Peter chapter 1 verse 8. Whom having not seen, <laughs> you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible, which is full of glory. And receiving the end of your souls, the, uh, the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What do we see? What do we see in Jesus? What is that one thing that we should see in Jesus? What is that one thing? Chapter 3 of verse 4 onwards. We'll know what that one thing is. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. Which is very precious in the sight of God. My goodness, there is a tormented spirit. There is a troubled spirit. There is a war raging in our spirit. Let us ask God, Lord, quieten those storms in my heart. Quieten those storms in my heart, Lord. Let me have a gentle quiet spirit which in the sight of God is precious. His outward beauty is not what he's talking about. Proverbs chapter 31 the last two verses, last three verses. Thirty-one. Proverbs chapter 31 last three verses. Many daughters have done well but you excel them all. Okay? Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is passing. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is passing. Okay. Whenever you see a charming young man or a young woman, what should you say? It is deceitful. Not, I'm not saying that beauty is is deceitful in, in, in and of, its, of itself. I'm talking about not the external. Not even the mind. Because we have a movie called, what mind? A beautiful mind. You're not talking about the beauty of the mind. You're talking about the beauty of the spirit. A beauty, a, a what? A, a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit. It's an attitude. It's a disposition. Let this attitude be in you. That's the beauty of Jesus. We looked at those seven things, no? Charm is deceitful. Beauty is passing. It's fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. That is beauty. That's the beauty he's talking about. Charm is beauty. Deceitful beauty is passing, but what should, what is the most beautiful thing that God is looking for? A spirit that fears the Lord. The heart that fears the Lord. That shall be praised. And I believe your physical beauty that you receive in heavens will be directly proportional to the internal beauty that you have. I believe that. You know, remember that song that we sing? O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. Now we walk by faith. How? By looking at the things which are 
unseen. Okay. Though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed from day to, from glory to glory. As we look on those things which are permanent and not look on the things which are temporary or eternal. For the things which are unseen are eternal and the things which are seen are temporary. And that day, how much of that internal beauty that we have appropriated over a period of time in our walk with the Lord will be shown. Like stars differ in glory, so will also the saints. Think about that. What you sow, that's exactly what you reap. Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 15, please, if you will. Verse 20 onwards. Hmm. Actually, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, sorry, not 20. Uh, verse 35 onwards. Verse 35 onwards. Mm-hmm. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up and what, and with what body do they come? Foolish one. Paul, Paul says, what you sow is not made alive unless it is dead or it dies. So what you sow, what are you sowing? You're sowing, you're imperishable. Okay. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be. But mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. Did you see that everybody? So what is the seed that you are going to sow? The imperishable beauty that you have acquired over a period of time, the inward beauty that you will sow and that day, that kind of a beauty will, the the body that you will receive will be directly proportional to the amount of the beauty of the spirit that you have inculcated in your inner man. Your internal beauty will become external. The sky will be rolled back as a scroll and the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And why? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Because that day you will receive a body, what you have sown. But God gives it to a body as he pleases to each according to its own body. And then, go on. All flesh is not the same. But there is one kind of a flesh of men, another kind of flesh for animals, another for fish, another for birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial and the glory of the terrestrial one is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one stars differs from another in glory. So also in the resurrection of the dead, the body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. But what you sow, that's exactly what you will reap. Not everybody will have the same body, for sure. Paul will have a different body altogether. Peter, Paul, all these people will have different glories which are emanating through them. Okay, so he's talking about that. So what should I do? I should behold his what? His beauty. So the more I behold his beauty, I will be turned into the kind of things that I behold, right? Into the things that I worship. I will be turning into that kind of a person. So don't become a wanderer. Don't leave his presence just because things are not going well. You know why? Because God is working in you an eternal weight of glory. Why am I saying this? Turn to Ruth, chapter 1, verse 19 onwards. (laughs) 
now the two of them, I mean, they should have been, this book should have become Naomi, but it has become what? Ruth. Okay, that's the, that's the incredible thing. It should have, it should have, Naomi should have been the one, but God said no, unfortunately. Because of her attitude. Look at her attitude. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem and it happened. When they had come to Bethlehem, that all the city was excited because of them and the woman said, is this beauty? Naomi wants what? Pleasant beauty. No, no, no. What she, what does she say? What she said to me, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the, oh, he doesn't even call Yahweh Almighty. Human Jagal. You can do anything. You could have given me so many good things, right? No. You chose to give me what? Bitterness. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out. Who asked you to go out, first of all? You went. Did you inquire of the Lord? No. That will come to the next part. I went out full and the Lord has brought me back. Again empty. Who told you? The Lord has brought you empty. You went and you came back empty. You went out by yourself and you are saying the Lord brought you back empty. Nonsense. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted. How bitter she has become. See. Don't call me pleasant. So what should you do? Be careful of what in your heart? Bitterness. Bitterness. Let, lest there be any root of bitterness, it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Lest there be found any profane or ungodly person like what? Esau. For one morsel of meat, he sold his birthright. And he could not be brought back to repentance, even though he searched it with what? Tears. He couldn't be brought back. So what should our prayer be? Therefore, I'll show you the prayer. 9017. You guys are very fast on the computers these days. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Oh Lord. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Now, you know why, why David, uh, sorry, Moses is saying this. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. But Lord, we have wandered and wandered and wandered our, ha- because we went away from your, from your ways and we did not believe in your paths and we did not believe in your ways. All our days have become consumed. But Lord, finally he says, Lord, let the beauty of our Lord be upon us and establish, Lord, the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. So what should we do? One thing have I desired. Therefore, I will seek after it. That I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And fourth, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And finally, fifth, to inquire in his temple. What is inquire in his temple, Baba? Inquire and stable meaning, let the patterns of God be established in my life. Inquire, that's what it means. Inquire means to establish the patterns, not the patterns of this world. But the patterns of God should be established in my life. Turn to Second Kings chapter 16. We looked at it very much. 16, and we'll read from six, uh, 10 to 16. 10 to 16. Seven verses and we will stop. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath Pileser. 
the king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus, the king, and that, and king Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest the design of the altar and its, oh, pattern according to all its workmanship. That means he went to one church. Oh, he looked at the, the glamour of that church and he said, oh, we should ad- adopt this strategy. Well, that's exactly what a lot, lot of people do. They'll go to one church, they'll look at the numbers. Oh, so many people. They'll go to the pastor. Can you tell me the pattern of your uh, of your worship so that I can get a, get a lot of crowds into my church? Then the, the pastor will say, every uh, Sunday after the meeting, we give them a, uh, what is that? Uh, like We'll go to a barbecue nation and they'll give us that, no, feedback form. You know what barbecue nation is, right? Restaurant. Hmm? The feedback form they'll give. How was it? How was the service? Was it too long? Was the word boring? Was the song worship to your liking? That is what is called pattern. Tell me your pattern. Oh, the kids were attracted to the pattern. What did you do to attract the children? I'll tell you something. You don't have to do anything to attract your children. You just speak the truth. They'll be attracted to you. I've tested it. You speak the truth. They'll be attracted to you. The problem is, you are not interested in, in spiritual things and therefore you do not know how to present it in an interesting way. Pattern. You know, there are godly patterns that have to be established. I'll show you. Turn to Ecclesiastes. 12. And you can put the NLT for me, please, if you don't mind. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ah. Hazaya, Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 9, onwards. Because the teacher was wise, I come back to this over and over again. No? This is one prayer for myself. Because the teacher was wise. Oh Lord, make me a wise teacher. He taught the people, what? Ah, not few things. Everything he knew. I mean, if he's speaking only a few things, that means that he doesn't know much, basically. Okay, that's okay. No problem. Because the teacher was wise, he taught the people everything he knew. He collected proverbs and classified them. What is it? What, what, what do we call it? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, that means he studied to show, to show himself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing. This is the pattern. Because the teacher was wise, he taught the people everything he knew. He collected proverbs and classified them. And then, indeed, the teacher taught plain truth. And he did so in an ah, interesting way. A teacher's word spurs students into action. I love that. You see, that the, the blessing of, of being a teacher, of the right kind of a teacher, of course. The ability to spur students into action. You know, when you have spurred students into action, you give them, you whet their appetite. I remember very clearly, okay, not boasting. Uh, first time I taught to a under, uh, not a post, uh, undergrad course, a postgrad course when I was teaching in IIIT. After I finished the course, I offered this course. It was called Introduction to Robotics, Mechanics and Control. I had like 15 or 20 students in my class. And after I finished the course, five students came and wanted to come and work with me. I was 
because I, I, I just enjoyed it so much and I really, really ensured that I transferred the material in an interesting way. And I, with, with one of them, I used him, used that fellow services to publish some of my papers. So, it's good, no? If you teach your students and spur them to action, they'll do a lot of work for you. Really? No kidding. Okay, it's the ability of a teacher to attract good students. Spurring them to action. Okay, anyway, that's, uh, if it is uh, worldly knowledge, you can, you can just throw it out of the, into the windows. But let us only look at godly knowledge. Okay, a wise teacher's words spur students to action, emphasizing on important truths. The collected sayings of the wise are the guidance from a, kya baat hai? Stop it there. Okay, so this is this should be your your aim. Okay, so this is, this should be the pattern. So what did what did this guy what what is this, this guy Ahaz do? Look at look at the last verse and we will we will stop. Yeah, um, verse eleven onwards. And then Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it before the King Ahaz came from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar. And the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. And then, so he burnt his offering and his grain offering and he poured his drink offering, etc. And verse 14, he also brought the bronze altar which was before the Lord from the front of the temple, from between the new altar and the house of the Lord. And he put it on the north side of the new altar. Okay, and uh, yeah, the last part. And the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. What is he doing? He's doing all the things over here. And he's also trying to inquire of the Lord. Not with his whole heart. Do you see? The bronze altar is using for inquiring. But do you see how divided his worship is? To inquire in his temple. To consider. Inquire means to contemplate. To establish the patterns that God wants us to establish in our lives. That's the reason why Romans chapter 12 verse 2 will say. Let's go there. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. What does it say? Do not be conformed to this world. Or to the pattern of this world. In an IV. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove that which is good, acceptable and the perfect will of God. To meditate upon the ways of God. You see, you need to meditate upon God's ways first. And then you will know what is the good, what is the acceptable and the perfect will of God and you will be able to give yourselves totally to it. So establishing the patterns. So four things we looked at, five things we looked at. First what? One thing I have desired. What is that one thing? May I have to seek after it. That means there should be action. There should be hard work. Second, I should dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? All the days of my life. Third, duty to deserve the to behold the beauty of the Lord. We understood what the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire. That means to establish godly patterns in our lives. And for that, what, what, what should I have? I should have that one desire. I should have full, whole-hearted, complete desire for this. And you know what happens? Slowly those patterns become our patterns too. This is a deliberate, consistent, concerted action from our side. Amen? Let's Let's pray. We will continue in our study in the coming days. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. 
We thank you, Father, for teaching us your ways, showing us your paths. Continue to teach us. Continue to show us your ways and teach us your paths. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.